0: I'm going to stand up today because one of my fears is falling backwards on the stool and the table catching me in the face. And so, But I'll stand out of the way when uh, we, we look at some scripture here today. But so glad that you guys are here. Um, so glad to have the opportunity to uh, go through God's Word, lead us through God's Word this morning. Um, just hearing those songs and uh, the, the praises that are, that, are, that are given to God just reminds me, uh, man, we, we are so undeserving of the love that Christ has shown us. And as last week as we celebrated uh, Christ's resurrection, we know that um, that's not something that we just leave last Sunday, but that's something that we, we continue to celebrate every single day of our lives. And we get to celebrate that again today as a church, as, as redeemed people of God, hearing songs and going through His Word. And so we're going to continue to worship Him. And we'll be in Matthew chapter 9 verses uh, 35 through 38 as we do so in just a, just a couple of moments. But I want to first pray and ask that God would just bless this time for us today and that even if this is a passage that we've read uh, many times, that, this, that we would just see this passage with uh, fresh ears and fresh eyes and fresh hearts as we see what God has to say about His mission for our lives. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we just thank You. We thank You for Your love for us. We thank You for Your Word that guides our ways and guides our paths. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just uh, push me aside, God, and just speak to your people today. Speak to me. Help us um, just lay aside distractions and just lift your name up in our hearts and in our lives, so that when we leave here today, we would just uh, draw deeper to you in worship, and we would be challenged and equipped to go out and to fulfill the Great Commission. It's your name we pray. Amen. So we're, again, as I said, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, and Matthew's Gospel is probably my favorite Gospel out of the four. All of them are great, but um, for some reason I've always just uh, loved Matthew's Gospel. And each of the Gospels obviously are, are speaking of the same Jesus, speaking of the same Jesus and the same life, His, his death and His resurrection. But, but Matthew's Gospel is going to be a little bit different than the rest, just like they're all a little bit different from one another because they're all pushing their own narrative of who Jesus is and what this means for the context that they're writing to. And so Matthew is pushing this narrative to a Jewish context, and he's teaching the Jewish context that Jesus, he is the promised Messiah from the Old Testament. Now I know when we think of Old Testament, when we, when we read through the Old Testament, a lot of times it can be very repetitive and kind of seem like uh, it's hard for us to, to get through, but it's so beautiful because it really draws the picture of the Messiah that has come to redeem us and bring us back in a right relationship with God. And not only is Matthew writing that Jesus is the promised Messiah, but he's writing that Jesus has come not to only redeem a, a people, but to redeem his mission. And his mission for us is to go and multiply and fill the earth with disciples. To go and to make disciples of all nations. And this is a mission we see directly back in the garden at the beginning of life. God created Adam and Eve to multiply and to fill the earth. Yes, with babies, but so that they would walk the earth to bring glory to God. Multiply and fill the earth with image bearers of God to bring God glory and to walk with God. Now, obviously, if you, if you read any further than chapter 2 in Genesis, you'll know that that doesn't last too long because Adam and Eve decided to leave God's design to pursue their own design, and by this it separated them from a holy and righteous and good God. But instead of destroying them, he sends them off into exile, promising them that there would come a seed from the line of Adam and Eve who would redeem mankind, would stomp on the serpent's head and crush it, but yet his heel would be bruised. And as you read through the Old Testament, you see that the seed starts to take form into a person, a messenger of God, somebody who is a better Adam, a better prophet, king, and priest, someone to lead us back into right, right relationship with God. Someone better than Moses, than Joshua, than David. And so as we lead all the way up to Matthew, Matthew is showing his people that Jesus is this Messiah promised from the very beginning to bring us back into right relationship with God through his perfect life, his perfect death, and his perfect resurrection. But not only to redeem us as a people to God, but to redeem this mission of multiplying and filling the earth. And that's why Matthew closes his gospel with the Great Commission. That Jesus tells his disciples, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, and go to all nations making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have uh, commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus gives them this, this great commission to follow. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, as you are going, as you are living your lives in the 29601 zip code, in Greenville, in your neighborhoods, in your homes, make disciples, preach the gospel, serve the immediate needs. And right here in in the middle of this gospel, in the middle of Matthew's gospel here, we're going to see Jesus's heart towards the brokenhearted. We're going to see Jesus's heart towards those who are afflicted. Because in chapter 10, he's going to send his disciples out to go into the harvest, but before then, I love how Matthew orchestrates this to show Jesus's heart for the harvest before he even asks his disciples to go out and to do this. And I believe not only can we see what Jesus said to that context of that day, but I think we can take some simple application steps. And I have to say for, for, for the four months that my family and I have been here, this isn't something to where we're, I'm preaching you guys to do for the first time. This is something that I have been encouraged by the selflessness and the willingness for this church to serve and be the hands and feet of Christ in the city. To see how many people have showed up to different events to go and to serve people and to love on people. So this is more of an encouragement and for us to continue to do what we've been doing well and to continue to push forward and push forward the Great Commission. And so Matthew starts here, and, and again, he's listening out and he, he's showing us Jesus' heart for the harvest. And as we walk through this, I want you to think about the different harvests in your life. I want you guys not to only think about the, the downtown city that we're called to love and to serve and to share the gospel, but think about your homes. Think about your families whether that's extended family or, or siblings. Think, think about your neighbors. We're new to a neighborhood, and we're praying for a neighborhood to see how we can serve them. Find different ways, or think of different harvests during this time that you guys can be encouraged to go out and to put these steps into place. And so Matthew starts, and he says, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, there were many, He had compassion for them, because they were harassed and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Into his harvest. And so first and foremost, we we see Jesus as he's traveling through these cities and these villages. In other words, as he's going as he is living his life here on earth by the will of God, directing him where to go with a, God, with a divine plan orchestrated only by God, we see that Jesus is doing a couple things right off the bat. That not only are we doing as a church, but we can continue to do. It says that Jesus goes throughout the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. We see Jesus immediately serving the immediate needs of the towns and the villages around him but we also see Jesus proclaiming the gospel to those who are also afflicted. Because Jesus understands something here, that these people are not only physically aff- afflicted, not only do they have some maybe physical ailments that are hindering them from life, but even deeper than that, he sees their spiritual separation from God. He sees their spiritual separation. And he knows that their physical ailments, their, their, their physical Um, Hurts and pains are really only a reflection of the spiritual pain that we all have. The spiritual pain that we were once all separated from Christ. We were all separated from the Father at one point in time. And so as Jesus goes throughout these cities and these synagogues and he's proclaiming the gospel and he's healing every disease and he's healing every affliction, we see that he has compassion on them. And this is a big thing. It's not that after he healed them or after he shared the gospel he started to have compassion We see that the reason why Jesus served the immediate needs of these villages and these towns, the reason why Jesus proclaimed the gospel, is because he was moved by compassion. He was moved by compassion for these people. Why was he moved by compassion? We see that he looks at these crowds and he saw that they are harassed and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, translated from the Greek text... The compassion that Jesus had is this twisting of the bowels, which sounds pretty crazy. But his insides, he himself is, he has a twisting to where it's this urging pain to where he can't sit back, but he can only move forward. I don't know if you guys have ever had a moment like that in your life to where God has hit you so hard. And you see that you cannot stand aside, but you can only move forward. You can only go and share the gospel with somebody because you see their pain. You can only go and serve them or help them out and help their needs in any way because you see the need that they have, not only physically, but the hope that they don't have that they need in Christ. Jesus is looking at these villages and he's going through these towns and he's moved with his deep compassion. It kind of reminds me of when he calls Lazarus out of the grave. Jesus wasn't just standing there saying, Hey man, why don't you go ahead and come out of there? He was moved because he saw the cross ahead of him. He saw what death would bring to those if he did not lay down his life. It's like a war horse. Jesus moves forward, and in the same instant, he was moved by compassion to only move, to only go forward. Because not only did he see their physical pains, but he saw their spiritual separation. And Jesus saw the cross. Jesus saw his cross and his future resurrection and glory. It bring people back into the right relationship with God. So when I read this, I, I'm just moved because I, I, I ask myself, man, do I have compassion like this consistently for people? How can I continue to have more compassion on people? And not, and, and not just a sympathetic compassion, but an actual compassion to where we, where we can only move forward, where we can only do something about it. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. If you read through the Old Testament, especially in Jeremiah, Jeremiah is pretty ticked off because the prophets and the kings and the people placed over Israel to bring them into right relationship with God or at least to point forward to the coming Messiah, failed to do so. They were selfish and they wanted self-glory. And by doing that, they really led the flock astray. And so as Jesus is looking at this, the, the, the translated words from the Greek text again, instead of saying harassed and helpless, he's saying they were skinned alive. As Jesus was looking at the crowds, these are people who are skinned alive, flayed alive, left out to dead, because they have people even during Matthew's time, Jesus' time, where they have Pharisees and scribes who were leading them further away from Christ, by the standards, by the regulations, by the hard yokes that they could not live by. And I even again think in my own life, how many people do we know who have been hurt by the church? who have had a hard yoke and hard standards placed on them to where they felt like, man, I, I can't live up to the standard that God has me. So you know what? I don't think I'm going to go to church anymore. I don't think I need to test the waters of what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus because I obviously can't live up to these standards. I'm sure we've all been there. I've been there. But we see, we see what Jesus is doing here is He's confronting these issues. And we know that Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden is light. And he is the good messenger, the promised Messiah, the one that leads us in a right relationship through his love, through his death, through his resurrection. And so we see that he is moved by compassion because he looks out and he sees the helplessness of the cities and the towns around him. How can we continue to to look upon the 29601 zip code in that way? How can we continue to look at our neighborhoods? Who are some people maybe in your family or your extended family at work? Or you can go and get a cup of coffee for them. You can serve an immediate need. Being tired is an immediate need. They need coffee. Just make sure. Just make sure you wear a mask and you you know put some hand sanitizer on them because you know, again, we want to, we want to make them feel comfortable too. Serve them coffee anyway. Serve the immediate needs and the spiritual needs of the city. I've been super uh, uh, encouraged and just just humbled by what has been happening at one of the ministries that we're able to serve in the city with Miracle Hill. Um, Not only have we been able to serve them physically in some immediate needs the last couple of weeks, but um, we've also had the pleasure to kind of start a a Bible study there on Thursdays. I know Pastor Matthew and and Josh and a couple others have been a part of that, and just seeing the, the, the spiritual connection that we are able to make with individuals who are going through some hard things. We're trying to navigate things like addiction and homelessness. As we're, as we're trying to serve them immediately, we also have an opportunity to serve them spiritually and to share the gospel with them and to build them up in the relationship that they have with Christ. I see two ways already that right here is serving the, the, the immediate needs and also the spiritual needs that we see Jesus do, that we do well as a church. I just want to encourage us to continue to, continue to drive for that, continue to push forward. And the last thing, in verse 37, he after looking at all the crowds, after healing them, seeing their brokenness, seeing their spiritual brokenness, their, their physical brokenness. Jesus turns to his disciples, and this isn't one of those lists where Matthew goes point A, B, C, and most important to least important. That's how kind of my mind thinks. But during their time, he's going to put the most important thing last. He's going to say, Here, here's what we see Jesus doing a, cu- a couple of these, serving immediate needs, serving spiritual needs. But the most important thing for us to do first before we do those is Pray. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We we cannot be faithful stewards of the gospel without a ministry of prayer in our own life. It's just impossible because we are unable to save people. We are unable to save ourselves. I love last week's sermon reminding us that not only do, are we incapable of saving ourselves, but even to the littlest detail, we're not even capable of wanting to be saved without the Spirit's work in our heart, without Christ confronting us and pursuing us. And the way that that happens for other people in our lives, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our city, in our zip code, is first through prayer. How do we pray? What do we pray for? Well, first we see that we pray that that the harvest needs to be filled with more laborers. Because even though we have a room full of faithful laborers in here today, the 29601 zip code is really big just for our church or any other church to be a part of. So what can we do about that? We pray. We pray that God would send more laborers out into his harvest. That God would encourage other believers that we know of who maybe aren't connected into church or maybe aren't connected into the mission of God to get connected and to go and to serve our city, to serve our neighborhoods, to serve our homes. Pray for laborers to go out into the harvest that God already has ready for us. There's so many people who need the gospel. Not only need the gospel, but want the gospel. People who, who, who are hungry for it, but they just don't know who to approach or, or how to get there. Pray for laborers to be sent out into the harvest. And pray earnestly. Not only that, pray for the harvest itself. Pray for the lostness and the broken, brokenness that we see in our city, that we see in our homes. One thing I want to encourage our church with today is this is something we can, we can continue and we can start now. We can have prayer and conversations around our dinner tables now. Praying with our, with our spouses, praying with our kids, praying with our family, praying by ourselves. How can, we, how can we continue to push the mission of God forward? How can we continue to submit to Him, pray for people who are lost? Pray for people in your life who do not know Christ, who are close to you and far from Jesus. Have a ministry, a prayer. We pray for the harvest. We pray for God to send out laborers into, into his harvest. And most importantly, we pray that Christ would be glorified. Because again, this mission is not revolved around I. It's not revolved around us. It's centered on Christ. And it's a beautiful mission. It's a beautiful purpose that we have. From Genesis to Revelation, we see this one narrative of God saving his people, redeeming his people for one purpose, and that is to multiply and fill the earth with disciples. And part of how we do that is to continue to, to love and to serve our city well. And so we, we, we have plenty of opportunities that we that we can continue to do that. I'm, I'm excited for 2021, or for the rest of 2021, to see the opportunities that God places in the life of our church, to see how we grow together, and how we can continue to Push the mission of God further. And um, one thing that, uh, again, is kind of a, a side note, but back into a, a, a verse above here is the compassion aspect. Sometimes for us to, to serve people well, we, we need to pray that God will put compassion in us. Because, again, just like we're incapable to save ourselves, we're, inca- we're incapable to go and have compassion on people. We're incapable to have compassion on other people without the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And one, one time, uh, when I first moved down to, to, to South Carolina, and I was living in Charleston, it was uh, the, the night of the college football playoff. Michigan State was getting beat by Alabama. I enjoyed that. Kip, probably not so much. Um, and, and I want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and get some wings. So, so I'm driving to Buffalo Wild Wings. I had the order, and it's raining outside. And this dude comes up to my car, and he's covered in tattoos. And I don't have anything against tattoos, because I have them. But I was like, oh man, like, this guy seems kind of dangerous. And um, you know, I don't, I don't really know if I want to, you know, mess with whatever situation this is. And uh, so th- there was a lack of love in my heart right away. There was a lack of love in my heart. And in that moment, God was just like, dude, what is wrong with you? Like, come on, man, you are called to, you are called to love people and show compassion on people. Well, anyways, it was through a, a hard work of God in my heart to where I was able to spark a conversation with a guy fresh out of jail. was able to take a ride with him and drop him off to a, to a truck stop so he could get down to Florida and in that midst, I heard his story, and I was like, dude, I'm so sorry that this is the reasons why you're dealing with this stuff. And my heart broke for him. I shared the gospel with him, and he just started bawling like a kid. And I was, I was tearing up. I was crying, and we were both in the car, and I prayed for him, and hit, sent him on his way to Florida. Like, the gospel. And that doesn't happen by ourselves. I'm incapable of loving that way. And you know what? I've never seen the guy again, but I can't wait until one day to where I'm in heaven around the throne of Christ, and I'm worshiping with my brother. It's one of the amazing things that I get to, to look forward to. But that doesn't happen without the Spirit's work in our heart. And so again, I just encourage us, church, as we continue to serve well, serve diligently, serve our neighborhoods, our homes, and we love our city well, to keep these things in mind. Pray, serve, and share. Let's pray. Speaking of prayer, let's pray. God, we, uh, we just love you. Again, we, we thank you for your word. And uh, I just pray that you would uh, just strike my heart with this and continue to help us live this out faithfully, um, that we would love you and that we would love our city and those around us well. Jesus, in your name, amen.